This is the National Medicine Symposium from the Canberra National Convention Centre. We have so many different programs available for the uh, symposium this year, and um, in the lightning talks, Evolving Systems and Reimagining Policies, uh, one of our topics, the new National Primary Health Network Immunisation Support Program, and uh, Anya Heaney is the uh, NPS um, Medicine Wise coordinator for this. So we thank you for your time and not that immunisation has been in the news much lately. <laughs> no, absolutely. It really is a hot button issue, I think. Um, and it's great that NPS has been able to get involved because for many, many years we shied away that vaccines weren't quite drugs, they weren't quite medicines. Um, and we maybe put them in the too hard basket a little bit. But in this endeavour, we've been able to partner with the National Centre for Immunisation, Research and Surveillance, who are globally renowned subject matter experts when it comes to vaccinations. And so we're very confident in the partnership that we have with them, that we have a real great marriage of capabilities and, and, um, and, and cap- capabilities and, and abilities to, um, to really get out there and, and help Australia make sure that it has the best possible vaccination rates you know, to keep our population as healthy as possible. So just on that, when we have a forum like this, are we in a good place? We're not doing too badly. Immunisation ha- is one of the most important public health initiatives that's happened in the last 200 years. Um, since vaccines were introduced in Australia in 1932, we've seen the, the deaths from vaccine-preventable diseases fall by 99%, and if that's despite having three times the population. So we do okay when it comes to childhood vaccinations because it's really, really important that to keep children safe and the wider community, you have to have sufficient people vaccinated to be able to block the viruses and the bacteria. And we call that herd immunity. So enough of us have to have that protection to protect the weak and the vulnerable who perhaps you know, are too young to be vaccinated or can't be vaccinated. So in the childhood vaccination space, we routinely get above sort of 90% coverage rates, which is pretty good um, for the first world country. Um, but for really contagious diseases like measles, you really want to get those coverage rates up to about 95%. Um, so we, there's lots of government policy and initiatives around this. People will know there's things like no jab, no pay, no jab, no play, which has helped us to keep those rates high. And we have a very well-informed um, uh, you know, um, community group and, and really well-informed health professionals that help reassure people who may have some what's called vaccine hesitancy um, to make sure that they understand that vaccines are safe, they are effective, um, and that's a very important public health initiative that all of us need to get involved in um, to keep our community safe and well. So in saying that, is that um, vaccine hesitancy is that a way of not saying anti-vax? No, it's not actually. There's a really interesting spectrum which I myself have only just become sort of familiar with. Um, we have what's called sort of a pyramid of a population. Anti-vaxxers really only inhibit the very, very pointy end, the maybe top 1%, 2%. And look, they have very entrenched views and you're very unlikely to change their views. And so when health professionals are dealing with those, what's important there is not to necessarily, you know, beat them over the head or call them bad parents, but rather make sure that they don't disengage with the health system entirely through having a really bad interaction. Um, Below that, 
pointy end. There's about 20 or 30 percent of, of people who perhaps um, are often very highly educated, um, high socioeconomic people who've, who've maybe, you know, heard or read something that has given them cause for concern. And really all they want to have is that sort of reassurance, have that conversation about the risks and the benefits, and they'll make a well-informed choice. Then below that sort of part of the pyramid, there's maybe another sort of 30 percent perhaps slightly lower educated, perhaps slightly lower health literacy people who are actually legitimately fearful. As I said, they've maybe heard from friends and family or media or social media that, that there's an issue. Um, and so they need quite a bit of counselling and, you know, again, quite a good step through of the evidence to, to convince them that this is something they should do. And then the very, you know, bottom base of the pyramid and quite the biggest, widest, you know, sort of 40 or 50% is people who just do it. People who know, people who trust, people who just understand that this is an important public health thing and they're on board already. So, so yes, yeah, so there's quite a different spectrum of people and, and really tailored approaches that you need to take, you know, when thinking about where in that spectrum do those people fit. So you're happy with the way you get the message out? Oh, well, you know, we're, it's a reasonably new endeavour and initiative. So we're sort of learning as we go and maturing as we go. Um, but I think it's... It's really uh, um, progressive and I think encouraging that the Commonwealth Government recognised that the public health networks, when they were established, were set up as, you know, 31 very different entities with obligations to look at what their community health needs were and to prioritise resources accordingly. And so if you're a CEO of a PHN and you look at your community and your vaccination rates are sort of okay you're going to deprioritize that and maybe focus more on mental health or chronic disease or whatever your population needs are. But the thing about immunization, which is a little bit different, is if you take your you know, foot off the gas, if you allow those vaccination rates to drop, you can't put that toothpaste back in the tube. You know, and then we're going to see the re-emergence of some of those vaccine-preventable diseases that we thought we'd, you know, we thought we'd licked. So we've already heard about a number of measles outbreaks around the place, you know, and even the odd incidence of polio, which you know was is horrific to this generation because they've never seen that. You know, so we we can't become complacent. We can't become lax. And so it's encouraging that government has. Um, you know, funded us with the National Centre for Immunisation and um, Research and Surveillance um, to get out there to support PHNs, to keep this on the radar, to make sure all their activities are the best that they can be in their supporting their providers in the best way that they possibly can because yeah what we don't want is an unintended consequence of these 31 primary health networks um, all of a sudden sort of yeah dropping the ball a bit so so that's my job and I'm loving it and it seems to be going well so far. I can see that you're loving it. It's just <laughs> it's wonderful. No, you know this. I love coming to these things because there's so many passionate people, and we don't have enough passion in our in our world. And I think you know having something like this and something like yourself driving something. I think we're. In, I had my flu shot, by the way. Oh, excellent! Good job. Good job. Got big old tick. Thank you very much. Hey, what will, what's one thing that you'll take away from? symposium this year? Oh look I've just left a really fascinating debate on genomics. Um, I think you know it's it's a really polarizing issue. It's an issue that has uh, a lot of potential and something we've been talking about for a long time that we're going to get to this era of personalized medicine and that certainly has touched in in the vaccination world as well. Um, We have a very complex thing which is called an autologous vaccine which in the UK has just been demonstrated that if you can take some malignant cells out of a patient 
patient with cancer, mix it with some vaccine technology and you know, re-inject it into the patient, you can actually mount an immune response specific to that tumour that that patient has and it can eradicate it. You know, so that's an amazing potential, amazing you know, future medicine, but we've got to be cautious. We can't just run into this new future you know, in a, a, a not thoughtful, not critical thinking way and I think that's a really great debate that I want to get involved in. So the theme of this symposium, future is now, is it now for you? It is now for me, but um, the cautious, you know, thoughtful approach to what's happening now. Well, thanks for bringing your cautious and thoughtful approach to Symposium 2018. Thank you very much, Ian.